0: You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. Well, welcome, everyone, and happy new year. And for those who don't know me, my name is Richard, and uh, it's great to be with you in our first service uh, for 2022. I not about you, but i just so stirred when I see a video like that. And uh, it really ties in, actually, with the uh, week we're about to go into and the theme for our series over these next five uh, Sundays. It's called Abide the power and beauty of God's Word, and um, I, I wonder just uh, so much of our lives right now revolves around hearing uh, certain news reports of just what's going on in the world, and it's largely negative, largely like, you know, we're still in this pandemic into the third year, and yet when I watch a video like that, like, God is moving in the midst of all of that. And we just don't hear that often enough. And, um, and we don't abide or uh, absorb that enough to say, Hey, despite the challenges that are going on, God's church is growing. Uh, people are encountering Christ and uh, God is certainly not, um, put back by a global pandemic like we are. And so I think this is a, a, a timely series to reposition ourselves for 2022. Let's be honest. None of us. Started this year like we had hoped. This year didn't get off to the start that we had hoped. Maybe your Christmas plans were halted or ruined or changed because of all that was going on. Certainly I came into this year feeling incredibly flat, incredibly frustrated, irritated, locked down, felt like we were back in March 2020. We had friends in other nations say, Man, Canada is so impressive with their vaccination rate, but you guys are like have the strictest lockdowns ever. I was like I know. Um, and so I'm not sure how to reconcile that. And so, but I, I I, felt like God began to really challenge me and say, how will you show up to the reality of 2022? How are you going to show up to the reality of twenty two? And I think God is far less interested about changing our circumstances as He is about really changing what's on the inside of us, our, our posture of our hearts, just the way that we see things. And um, and I'm really expecting, just personally, but I really do believe for us as a local church and then our global family as we go through these uh these next few days of praying and fasting as we go into this series of a few weeks to really challenge yourself to allow God to really reposition and speak into your heart and so whether 2022 gets better gets worse really it's largely out of your and my control what is in your control Is Am I going to be growing and abiding in Christ, in His Word, in His promise, and in His beauty? And so with that said, let's jump in and dive in. And we're going to be talking today about the life-giving aspect of God's Word, the life-giving aspect of Jesus. Jesus is our source and giver of life. So abide. Abide is a word that we don't really use in contemporary language, right? It's not like someone comes to you, hey, where do you abide? No, it's where do you stay? Where do you come from? And so, to kind of uh, anchor ourselves in what we're talking about here with this word "abide," uh, here's the definition that we're going to be be using. It's it's to remain or stay or reside in a place, to be in a place for a while, and also to continue a certain state, a condition, or activity. And so. Right off the bat, we can see how this can be uh, really disconnected from our world in in 21st century because you think about how the world has changed within maybe even in your lifetime, maybe your grandparents or maybe even your parents' generation. Maybe they stayed in the neighborhood or in the city that they grew up in. For us here in Toronto, that's just – um that's such a – um a rare story as people from all over the world. That it's rare to find someone. Um, we actually know someone who's uh, literally stayed in the same neighbourhood. Uh, their kids are at the same ju- junior school that she went to, and she literally lives a block around where she grew up. And every time we see Patty, that just blows my mind. Like she's an anomaly. Think about jobs and careers, how they've changed. You know, typically you would go into a certain vocation and you would probably stay within that industry uh, for the full 40, 40 plus years of your career. Nowadays, it's expected that you'll change not just jobs, but you might even change industries multiple times over your career. And then obviously the challenges of just being a distracted society or a very busy society. And so that all works against this word abide to remain and just stay planted for a long time i remember tim keller some of you know who tim keller is a, a well-known preacher and author and pastor from new york city and he talked about Going the challenge of planting churches in cities and how the need is so great because so many people are moving to the cities that we just need to plant more churches. And he said, the word isn't go and go; the word is to stay. Can you stay long enough in city? Can you stay long enough in a city because the the pressure of a city is you get established and then you push out to the suburbs. You, you we know here in Toronto it's so expensive to stay and live in the city, but if everyone's going to leave the city, who's going to reach the city? And so this word abide day. These are foreign words to us. We, we don't like the sense of, of that. And so abiding is so critical though to our spiritual formation, our growth, and our relationship with Jesus. And so this is part of uh, the challenge that we're going to have as we come to abide in God's Word. Um, maybe not even just in a physical space, abide in His Word, not just abide in the words of the news 24-7 cycle that a lot of us have been abiding in for the last two years. And so, in this series, what we're going to be looking at is we're going to get different passages in the Gospel of John. And I love the Gospel of John because right at the end of the Gospel of John, there's four Gospels, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, they're very similar in some ways. And John's is very different. It's a very different Gospel, a very different way that he captures the ministry and the life of Jesus. Very refreshing. In fact, sometimes it's one of the first Gospels we will encourage a new Christian to read because it really uh, presents Jesus in a very fresh and different way. But right at the end of his Gospel, he actually gives away his whole purpose for writing his letter. And so I want to put that before us because I think it's a great theme, certainly, in what we're going to talk about today. In verse 20, sorry, verse 31 of 20, he says, it is written, this gospel is written, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His Name. You may have life in His name. Maybe that's a maybe that's a theme for 2020, uh, 21, 22. What are we twenty two? Yeah, maybe that's a scripture you should cut out, paste on a little post it note, and stick it up, there, and that become that you may have life in His name. Jesus wants you to have life in His name, and so we're going to be looking at that today. Today's passage we're going to look at is John chapter five verses nineteen. 19- Three twenty-nine. It's a long one, so I'm going to read it. But to understand this passage, you kind of need to understand where uh, the passage is before. And So Jesus has just healed a, a crippled man. He's been crippled for 38 years. Can you imagine that? Just imagine being in that position 38 years. And Jesus heals him, but he heals him on the Sabbath. And he says to the man, get up, take your mat, and go. And so the man listens to Jesus, gets up, he can walk, takes his mat and goes and then the religious leaders the pharisees see this guy carrying his mat on the sabbath and say hey why are you carrying your mat not my goodness you're healed not like this is amazing let's praise god no hey why are you carrying your mat on the sabbath and right there that religious spirit just wants to crush the life of god In any of us and so they want the religious spirit forgets the big picture and focuses on the minutiae and these were these were minute sabbath laws that were introduced far beyond what moses had ever talked about and so the guy says i don't know the guy who healed me he said to take my mat and walk and i'm doing that and they're like who is this guy he's i don't know i don't know later that day jesus bumps into him in the temple and he figures out it's Jesus. It's Jesus that healed him. And he goes back to religious leaders. Jesus is the guy who healed me. And so they begin to persecute Jesus. Why? Because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. He was rocking the boat, as they would say. And so Jesus now begins to uh, assert his authority and power and begins to put himself on the, on the platform of God. And that's quite controversial. Now, this is important for us, and why we're going to make a little bit of a fuss about this is because today, I think, certainly in my life and maybe in yours, you'll, you're really going to meet someone who doesn't believe in the historical Jesus. But you'll, you'll have different versions of the, like, Jesus, I was a great teacher, great moral example for us, a great uh, activist, a, a great prophet, many religions uh, revere Jesus as a prophet, as a teacher. But that's not what got Jesus in trouble. What got Jesus killed ultimately is because he claimed to be God. And so, you know, like I know, when everyone, someone says, hey, I'm God, like we got to, (laughs) like, that's not just normal for someone to stand up and say that. And so we're going to read John chapter 5, verse 19 and 21, as Jesus begins to establish his authority. And so here we go, reading from the ESV. So Jesus said to them, now, when you read scripture, so this whole, year, abide is going to be a theme for our every nation world, the power and beauty of God's word. I love that because the Bible is significant to our lives, right? And so just here's a little tip. As you read the Bible, look for things that repeat themselves, words or phrases. And so there's two things that in this one, how many times do you hear the word life? And how many times do you hear this this phrase, truly, truly, I say to you? So there we go. As you read your Bible throughout the year, look for things like that. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. And so here's a relationship that Jesus models for us. We know Jesus is our Savior. We know he's our Lord. He's a King. But he's also an example for us of the kind of relationship that we can have with the Father. And it's a relationship of incredible dependence an imitation. I'm only going to do what God's doing. And it's amazing. And the, the the foundation of this relationship is love. The father loves the son. Because he loves the son, what does he do? He shows him what he's doing. Wouldn't that be incredible that in 2022, that God would give you insight as to what he's doing and how he's using things like a pandemic, how he's using things like hardship in our lives for our good and in his glory. That's the kind of access and relationship Do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. This is God's word. And so you can kind of begin to see why the religious leaders begin to really not like Jesus. Uh, he's talking some very bold things here. He's really saying that he and God are one. That he's He and the Father, his, him, him being the Son, the son of God and son of man, and the father of one. And so what I want to do in the rest of this message today is look at two aspects. One that Jesus establishes his authority and his power and in doing so establishes that he is our source and he is the giver of life. And then the second part is one like what is the response that we have in light of that? So let's start there Jesus as our source and giver of life. And through that first half of that passage, Jesus is speaking to these Pharisees, he's speaking to this crowd, and he's uh, making pretty plain that he is equal to God. And yet he is distinct from the Father, and his role is one that submits to the Father. And so this is a, a very a mysterious thing about the Trinity, if you're new to Christianity, the Trinity is very distinct to Christianity that we believe in one God, but one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three different personalities, and they're all equal God. No one's better or higher than the other, but they have different roles and functions. And sometimes in those functions, we see a subservience, a submission. It's a beautiful picture of that. And so in this, we do see Jesus submitting himself to the Father. And so he models again that relationship for us. But we also see an incredible trust from the Father to Jesus and that he gives all judgment to Jesus. Now, I don't know what you think about Jesus. Meek and mild, we've just come out of a Christmas season. Often, oftentimes, we think of Jesus as, you know, Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is my best friend, all those kind of things. And not to deny any of that, there's a, a tremendous intimate relationship as, as a friendship that we can have with Jesus. But Jesus is also a judge. In fact, God says he's delegated his judgment to the world, to Jesus. And that Jesus has the power of life and death. He has the power to grant life. And so it says in verse 21 and verse 22, For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Verse 26, As the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself in himself. So Jesus is the source of the life that we need. Jesus is the author of the life that we need. And so also then Jesus can give the life that we need. He has the authority and he has the power to do that. And so what is this all for? Why is he making such pains to go about all of this in terms of his authority and power as one with God? Well, verse 23 kind of, I think, gives us a little bit of a hint. And it says this, That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And so, you, me, the world, we have a decision to make that's really important about Jesus. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to me? is he a homeboy? Is he a teacher? Is he a prophet? Is he a moral example? There's millions of people in other religions will agree to all those things. But it says that if we don't honor him like we would honor God, then we dishonor him. And so the question for us is, will we acknowledge and honor Jesus and worship him as God and as God then as the source and the giver of life? And so when we come to Jesus uh, with a lesser view of him, we're not going to get the fullness of what he can offer us. We don't come to Jesus and get good advice, although he, can, he has within him all the wisdom that you'll ever need, that we to come to him as God ultimately. And so that's the first hint in terms of what we're going to need to do as we come to Jesus. So we have this decision. So Jesus is the source and the giver of the life that you and I need. So let's spend the rest of this time talking about now, what is our response to that? And obviously we've already gone there. Our response is to receive and abide in this life. We're to receive and abide in this life by firstly acknowledging who Jesus is, who Jesus fundamentally says he is. Now we can disagree with who Jesus is, and that's a worthy study, but ultimately we're to come to the place where we're to acknowledge him as the son of God, or we disagree. Dismiss him as being a liar or as being delusional. Um, and so Jesus has been sent. I love it. In verse 24, it says, truly, truly. So whenever there was three times truly, truly in that passage, if you notice, whenever you hear that truly, truly, what follows is really important. It's like all of scripture is important, but like, it's like, hey, like really listen up. Like some of you were nodding off when I was speaking earlier, but now really pay attention to this part. Verse 24 says, truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And so just in there, like God has delegated all judgments to Jesus. We we heard that. Um, When you hear the word judgment, we kind of don't like that word. No one likes to like someone's going to someone's judging me. I'm going to be judged. My life is going to be judged. We don't like that, but it's true. But far better to have Jesus as our judge than anyone and anything else. Because it says in that verse 24 that he was sent not to judge us or condemn us. He was sent to give us eternal life. He was sent to save us from the condemnation that judgment could bring. And the death as a result of that judgment. And instead to give us life, eternal life. This is the heart of God. Sometimes religion can misconstrue that God is just really angry, He's ready to smite anyone. Have you ever watched Bruce Almighty or Evan Almighty? He smite me, you mighty smiter. That's not the picture that Scripture really paints of God. We don't diminish that God is holy. We don't diminish that He is a judge. We don't diminish that we fall short of His standards. Absolutely. But the heart of God is seen in Jesus. That Jesus didn't come to the world primarily to condemn the world, but to save the world. And so that for me is encouraging because I need saving, I could do without some judging, because there's plenty to judge in this life. So the invitation from Jesus then, and it is an invitation, and I love the invitation. Who's it for? It's whoever. It's, it's incredibly inclusive. I don't care what your socioeconomic status is. I don't care with your ethnic background. I don't care if you're Jewish or you're not Jewish. I don't care if you're Roman or Gentile. I don't care if you're a pagan. Whoever, whoever can come to me. Jesus' invitation is to step out of death, and into life. I love what one pastor says, Vance Pittman. He says, the invitation to follow Jesus isn't an invitation to live for Jesus. It's an invitation to abide in Jesus. There's that word again. And let him, out of the overflow of that relationship, live his life in and through us in a way that produces fruit for his kingdom. And so there's an invitation for us not to do a bunch of things as a penance now to Jesus. Uh, Certainly, we want our life to uh, reflect the lifestyle of Jesus. But the order is important that the invitation is for us to enter into a relationship that's life-giving and that that source of that life begins to be the source of our lives and permeates in and through us. And it's the life of Jesus being lived through our individual and unique personalities. And sometimes another uh, pushback on Christianity is like, God wants just us all to be the same. And that's that's incredibly dismissive of the fact that every one of us has been created so unique and so different. There's almost 8 billion people on the planet. and No one's quite like you. No one's quite like me. And so God wants to not fundamentally change that personality. He wants to work through that and redeem aspects of that personality that are fallen. But this is the beautiful thing is that we, as we abide in Jesus, his life changes us and roos through us and becomes attractive to the people around us. And so let's now look at what does it mean then to abide in this life, to abide in this eternal life that Jesus not only is the source of, but is the giver of and wants to give us, has come to give us and offer us. And so that verse gives us the clue, gives us certainly two of three clues that I think are fundamental if we're going to receive and abide in the life that Jesus has for us. The first one said was hear. If whoever hears the words of Jesus, we need to believe in Jesus. And then we need to do the works of Jesus. Let's look at that very quickly. Hear the word of Jesus Jesus said, truly, truly, whoever hears my word, what word is he talking about? In that specific context, he was talking about whoever hears the word that I am the Father of one, that I am God, I am the Son of God. So he's saying, ultimately, whoever hears that, doesn't resist that, acknowledge that, Jesus, you are a great teacher, prophet, but you're more than that. You're God, and I buy my knee to him. That's the first part of receiving that eternal life. But it's not just limited to that. We know that Jesus isn't just the... The living word, but he's the written word. Scripture is the word of Jesus from Genesis through Revelation. Not just from Matthew to Revelation, not just your New Testament, not just the red letters in your Bible, just the words of Jesus. Jesus is the word. And the word is about Jesus. He is the written word. And then he enfleshed that word, incarnated that word, maybe is a better way to say it, and becomes the living word for us that we get to see the spirit and the heart. Of the word. And so when I think about this word, I think about how powerful words are in shaping our worlds. Some of you might be into a Bible reading plan that wants to take you through the Bible in a year, which is a, is a great goal for, for the year. And so typically you might be in Genesis. You might have started the first couple of chapters in Genesis. But in Genesis chapter 1 underscores the power of word. God literally speaks and worlds begin to be created. And in some ways, think about the power of words to have created your world for good or for bad. Think about the power of words of words that parents have said for good or for bad or the lack of a word a parent said for good or for bad. Think of the power of a word of teacher said, a coach, a mentor, a leader, a pastor, a friend, a colleague, a boss, an employee, a neighbor. Think of the power of those words for good, for Construction in your life, someone believed in you, someone called something out of you, and for destruction, where they, they demoralized you or in some ways crippled you because of the power of their words. Now think about the words that you surround yourself in regularly. What are the greatest voices in your life right now? And this will maybe be a good audit to go into our week of prayer and fasting. Because if you're like me, if you're like many people, certainly for the last two years, we've been in a very powerful powerful voice of the news headlines. We've been in a worldwide pandemic. We don't want to put our heads in the sand. We don't want to live under a rock. We don't want to be, you know, faith doesn't call us to deny reality. That's not the kind of faith we're practicing. But we've got to be very careful what we let into our work, what voices we give primary place to in our world. And so when I came into this uh, 2022, I was feeling like a bit heavy and and I really felt God speak to me about how are you going to show up to the reality. He wasn't asking me to deny the reality. He was just saying, you need to strengthen something. on You need a, a bigger voice on the inside. You need my voice ultimately on the inside of you to be able to show up to that reality with hope, with faith, with not fear, not panic, with not despair, with compassion, with love. And I'm not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to do that if we're constantly being fed by the panic and fear and despair of the 24-7 news cycle or social media. Or, you know, you open up your social media and it's all condemnation. Look at the life other people are living. What's your life like compared to that? And so we've got to be very careful the voices we allow in our lives. Jesus says, hear my word. Hear my word because my word is life giving. And when we give our attention to his word, we allow the life force of his word to penetrate our hearts and transform us. So that's the first thing. We need to hear his word. The second thing is we need to believe, not just his word, but believe in Jesus. You know, um, hearing becomes transformative when we don't just believe what we hear, but we believe who says what we're hearing. We believe the voice behind what we're hearing. In other words, it's not just believing a bunch of principles and teachings that Jesus gives us, but actually believing in Jesus himself. That his character backs up what he says, that I can trust him. I can literally build my life upon his teachings. I can build my life, my marriage, my parenting, how I steward the resources God's. I can literally build my life on that because I trust him. I trust him. And so um, it's one thing to hear something. It's another thing to believe something. And that's actually very good because you might have had some very negative words from your past. But you can hear those, but you don't have to believe them. God can give you a different script. But it is very powerful when we do believe what we hear, in this sense, in a positive way. When we hear the words of Jesus, but then believe them. And it means that we trust them and align ourselves with Jesus and then lastly and it doesn't come up in this verse, but to do the works of Jesus. you say, "Well, wait, wait a minute. Jesus said, "Truly, truly, hear my words and believe me, they have eternal life." So why are you introducing works like, "Do my works?" Which is a, a wrestle, right? A wrestle with a lot of people. We're just to believe that you know, all you pray this prayer, believe in Jesus, and you get eternal life. And um, and in some ways, it, it is true, but it's not the fullness of that truth. So if you shoot down to verse 29, it's not a scripture that I have up on, on the slide there. I'm going to read it to you again, but it's kind of a weird way for Jesus to end off this beautiful passage about us hearing and believing. But he says this, uh, Do not marvel at this for an hour is coming, and all the who are in the tombs will hear his voice, and come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life. So which is it, Jesus? Are we to just believe you and have faith, or are we to live a life that does good? Yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> it's both and. And so here's where works, here's where a lifestyle, here's where doing the works of Jesus fits in critically to this. Um, good works function as evidence and fruit of a true faith, not the means for a true faith. Okay, and it's really important we get that. We're not advocating a works gospel that we do a bunch of stuff to earn the eternal life God has given us. That's not what Jesus is saying here. But what he is saying, he says, a true faith, a true hearing and believing of me and my words will evidently result in good works. And so if there's an absence of good works, that should cause concern. And I just want to say there are parts of Christianity, there are parts of Western evangelical Christianity that has emphasized so much just faith and belief. Just pray this prayer, get your ticket to heaven, and kind of live how you want. That is very dangerous. That if it's not resulting in a change of lifestyle, if our lifestyles are not increasingly becoming aligned to Jesus, we should really examine the quality of our hearing and believing in Jesus. And so I love what Dallas Willard kind of very prophetically says about this. He says, the idea of having faith in Jesus has come to be totally isolated from being his apprentice and learning how to do what he said. That would have been absolutely foreign to the culture of Jesus' time. When you were a disciple, when you began to follow an apprentice, a rabbi, a teacher, you began to embrace not just their teachings, but their lifestyle. And so naturally, when he calls people to himself, that's what they're thinking. Perhaps in our culture, we we don't see it like that, but that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, the disciple of Christ. John Markoma says it in this way, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. It's not like we get this eternal life, and then we can live however we want. We're not going to experience the abundance of life Jesus has for us. We're going to be disappointed. There's going to be a, a dissonance between that. And I wonder if a lot of people have grown up with that mentality because we need to embrace not just the life that Jesus offers us, but the lifestyle that Jesus wants us to walk in. And so this eternal life is there for you and I to receive that we're to hear the words of Jesus, we're to believe in Jesus. And then we're to live the life that Jesus has for us, not living like that other quote says, not in the sense of living for Jesus, but allowing the life of Jesus to take root in the inside of us and then to flow through us. The fruit of him, of us abiding in him, of us hearing his words on a regular basis, of us pushing out the words of other voices in our lives to give his voice priority in our lives. Uh, you know, I was thinking, literally, I had this thought as I was leaving my home home This morning we took our Christmas tree down, and it all of a sudden it just made our living space that much bigger and bare. Like this Christmas tree was there, and all that came in, and then when we took it down, it's like, wow, there's so much more space than I realized. And I was thinking about this message, and I thought about how often that is in our lives: is we we think we're so busy, we think we've got so many things going, when when we just take something out of our life, it's like we realize, wow, there's actually a lot more space than I realize in my life. And so I wonder what it would be for you to take a bit of social media out of your life in 2022. Don't follow the news as, as religiously as you do in 22, and just see what space God occupies and what that does in your and my life and how much fruit it produces in our lives. And so I want to end off, when oftentimes when you hear verse twenty four true truly I said to you hear my words, believe in me, and you have eternal life. We can hear that word eternal, we can think of life after death and here's the beautiful thing is that verse actually says has eternal life in other words that life starts now that life starts Jesus says has eternal life not will have eternal life has eternal life that life starts now and then will be fully realized when we go to be with Jesus and Jesus is so confident in this eternal life that the New Testament calls when Christians die, it says they fall asleep. (laughs) That's the phrase that they use for one of the worst things that we sometimes think of as human beings is dying. It says they fall asleep in Christ. And I think it's a beautiful way of actually portraying a deeply true thing that for the Christian, the hope in Jesus is death is not the end. As much as we might not like death, as much as death isn't, wasn't ever a part of God's original creation, death is not the end. He says we fall asleep in Jesus, and then one day, you and I, as we have believed in Jesus, put our faith in Jesus, and lived uh, following Jesus, that one day you're going to hear his voice saying, Richard, rise up. And once and for all, you will be raised again to eternal life to spend with Jesus. But I don't need to wait for that day to experience that eternal life. It can start now. Though truly, truly, I said to you, whoever hears my word, believes in him who sent me, has eternal life. The question then, the decision for you and I is will we receive that today and will we abide in that this year? Amen. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.